Today, we continue in our series, First Things First, a series that prompts us to consider where our priorities are and checks if everything is in balance. We live in a world where our attention is one of the most highly prized commodities. Back in the 1970s, it was reported that the average person saw around 500 to 1,600 ads every day. Of course, online marketing wasn't a thing back then, so most of the ads could be found on billboards and in magazines and newspapers or on TV promoting the latest products. Fast forward 40 years. Recent research estimates that the average person is now exposed to between anywhere, anywhere between 6,000 and 10,000 ads every single day. Buy this, watch this, don't wear that, lose those pounds, but wait, there's more, there's a sale on, don't miss out, look your best, don't forget to like and subscribe. If you're watching online, don't forget to like and subscribe. (laughs) Over the past 19 years, Google's online advertising revenue has continued to climb. In 2019 alone, they raked in $134 billion. Our attention is highly prized by marketing and advertising companies and social media and entertainment and even by our friends and family on Facebook. And on and on and on the list goes. It's no wonder we feel so exhausted News feeds keep us constantly on edge and technology continues to promise to make our lives easier. The danger is that our brains become dependent on this constant stimulation and the fear of, not, of missing out or not having all we want drives us closer and closer to addiction. Anxiety levels are skyrocketing, particularly amongst our young people and things like the pandemic and the current world situations aren't making this any easier. So in the midst of all this madness, what captures your attention? And what kind of things make you anxious? What we worry about says a lot about what we value. What we value determines our priorities. Family, finances, health, employment, and again, the list goes on. Jesus had quite a bit to say about what we allow to take our attention. It can be quite easy to get carried away or consumed by those things that we worry about. And most advertisers know that they can make a lot of money by exposing fears that we never knew we had. Jesus invites us to pay attention to what takes our attention and then shifts our focus to God. We read in Matthew chapter 6, a verse that is often quoted when it comes to trying to figure out what's most important in life. Jesus said, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We often hear this verse or we see this verse all on its lonesome. But it's interesting to note the context in which Jesus spoke these words. It's always important to look at the Bible verses in context. Otherwise, you might find yourself going in a direction that was not intended. 
So it's interesting because this verse sits in a passage of Scripture all about worry. In fact, the title of this section where this verse is found is titled, Do Not Worry. So I'd like us to have a look at how Jesus draws attention to the truths about God when we get all uptight about things that are important, but as Jesus shows us, they're not the main things to be focused on. So reading from Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25, do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow was thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So today, I want to look at why Jesus told us to give most attention to God's kingdom and his righteousness and place it first on our list of priorities. So firstly, let's take a look at this concept of God's kingdom. It's often a topic that's preached about, it's prayed about, it's sung about, but it can sometimes be a little bit confusing. So if God's kingdom is something that Jesus tells us to be seeking first, it's probably a good idea to get clear on what we're talking about. God's kingdom is mentioned quite a number of times and in various ways throughout the Bible, particularly in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Sometimes it's referred to as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Christ. Sometimes it's the kingdom of heaven or simply just the kingdom. I don't know about you, but when I hear that word kingdom, this is what immediately comes to mind. Well, maybe not Disneyland specifically, but it definitely creates images of a castle and, and surrounding forests and, and villages. It certainly has like a medieval kind of vibe to it when I hear that word kingdom. And then when the kingdom of heaven is mentioned, well, again, my imagination goes to more of the same, but probably just with some extra like clouds added in. And, and the buildings are kind of gold and shiny. And of course, there has to be a rainbow. There's often a rainbow in, in those pictures of, of heaven that I think about. Oh, and, and there's a gate, like a big, a big gate, you know, oh, big gate. So when Jesus tells us to seek first God's kingdom, is this what he's talking about? It kind of makes me feel like Dorothy setting out along the yellow brick road in search of the Emerald City in the land of Oz. 
But I'm not sure if that's the kind of picture that Jesus is painting here in Matthew chapter 6. When we think of a kingdom, we often limit it to a physical realm. When we talk about God's kingdom, a physical realm is part of the definition, but it's not the main deal. Sometimes the kingdom is used to refer to people in the kingdom. Like when we talk about history, where the United Kingdom declared war on Germany. We're talking about people, right? But the kingdom of God is more than just the people that belong to him. The basic meaning of the kingdom of God in the Bible, in the way in which Jesus uses it here in Matthew chapter 6, refers to God's reign and sovereign rule. So the kingdom is not so much about where it is or who it is, but what it is. As we read through Jesus' teaching in the Gospels, there's another interesting dynamic at play. And that is when it is. When is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is both present and still to come. For example, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, it indicates a desire for something that's not quite here yet. Things aren't the way that they should be. We pray, bring your kingdom, Lord. Bring your reign fully into my life, into the lives of others and into the world. It's not here yet. It's, it creates this sense of, of distance. Then on a number of occasions, Jesus indicates that the kingdom of God is very close. The kingdom is at hand, he says. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's, it's close. If we look at Luke chapter 11, verse 20, we read where Jesus has been casting out demons. And he says, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. And then flipping over a few more chapters to Luke 17, Jesus is telling the Pharisees that the kingdom of God is within you. Or in other translations, it might say something like, um, the kingdom of God is among you or in your midst. So what's happening? How can the kingdom of God be both not yet present and also very present? The answer is that the kingdom of God is God's reign. His sovereignty in action in the world to redeem and deliver people right now and then at a future time finish it and renew his people and universe completely. When Jesus speaks of the kingdom, he speaks of God in control, God's will being outworked, his sovereign rule over all things. And this is what Jesus is inviting us to seek here in Matthew chapter 6. And because God is over all, it should change the way that we think about how we prioritise things. Not only that, it should change the way that we think about what it means to prioritise. Usually when we think of priorities, we think of it like a list. Most important things go towards the top and less important things a bit further down. So when we talk about putting God first in our lives, it might look something like this. God at the top, followed by something maybe like marriage, and then family, work, finances, 
uh, maybe a bit further down, Facebook posts, cleaning the house, going to the gym. Your, your list might look a little different to that. It might be perhaps a different order. There might be some things that you'd add to the list. There might be some things you take away from that list. The problem with thinking about priorities as a list is that once you've checked off one item on the list, you tend to move on to the next one. So for example, if God is at the first place in your list, you might think, okay, right, I've got to check that off. I'll go to church, so we'll check that off. Right, done that, move on to the next one. Marriage, right, okay, um, I'm going to buy my wife some flowers. Check. <laughs> Family next, right, what am I going to do? I'm going to play Xbox with my boys, or whatever that might be. And so you're kind of checking off a list as you go down. Now, there's something with that approach. There's something that's, that's lacking. And I don't think it's what Jesus meant when he said, seek first God's kingdom. It's more than putting God at the top of a checklist. If we refer back to Matthew 6, we see that Jesus lists a number of our concerns, our worries, and he makes it clear that God is actively interested in each one, and he calls us to trust him with each one. So I'm going to read back through Matthew chapter 6. Um, 26 to 33 again, and take note of what he says about God's interest in all of these worries and concerns that we have. So therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God is big and powerful and awesome and sovereign, yet he's immensely interested in every aspect of our little lives so instead of thinking about God as being at the top of a list, I find it helpful to think of God at the center of a circle, which is my life. And from that center, God's kingdom, his rule and reign radiates out into all the different parts of my life. It goes beyond the circle's edge as well and out into the world, impacting and influencing others for God's kingdom. So what does God's kingdom look like in your life? Or what could it look like in your life? What does God's rule and reign look like in your marriage? Or in your relationship with your family and friends? What does it look like in your finances? What does God's rule and reign look like with your Facebook or Instagram posts? How does your life reflect the kingdom of God at work? or at the footy, 
Because what you do with your life is important to God. Now, next week, this is what Neil Prolix is going to be speaking about. Living out our faith beyond the church building. It's something that Neil is really passionate about. So make sure that you're going to come back next week, join us in-house or online to hear what Neil has to say. So continuing on with our, our circle analogy, our lives are designed to spin with God at the center of that circle. But thanks to the gift of free choice, we can move this circle to rotate on any of the other points that we think are important. Family, friends, finances, career, they're all good things. The problem is that any point other than the center can throw things out of whack. And the faster that life spins, the more difficult it becomes to hang on. A circle can only have one true center. And our lives were designed to center on the kingdom of God, to worship him and submit to his rule and reign. Seeking first the kingdom of God is a continual realignment back to center. Just a few verses before um, Jesus tells his followers to seek first the kingdom of God, he states that no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. In this particular instance, Jesus is referring to money, but the principle stands true elsewhere. We are created to worship. If not God, we'll find something or someone else to revolve our life around. Whatever we spend the majority of our time, our effort and our resources on is what we are ultimately worshipping. So we have to ask, is Jesus our master or is something else? Are we worshipping financial gain and security or approval from people? power and influence? Whose kingdom am I seeking first, God's or mine? Along with God's kingdom, the other first thing that Jesus tells us to seek is God's righteousness. Unfortunately, there can be a tendency to view this in a way that is actually opposite to what Jesus intended. It can lead us to think that we're not dedicated enough or holy enough, and so we must strive to perform better. If we look at the broader context of this passage in Matthew 6, we find Jesus speaking about a number of different religious practices, prayer, fasting, giving. As we move into chapter 7, Jesus begins by addressing the issue of judging others. With these and other religious practices, when what we do becomes more important than why we do it, there's a tendency to look down on others who aren't doing it the same way as us or not doing it at all. But here, Jesus is saying to seek God's righteousness, not our own self-righteousness. The Jews to whom Jesus was speaking they relied on their own obedience to the law as their source of righteousness. But Jesus was letting them know that there is a better way. For us as followers of Jesus, we are to trust in his righteousness as opposed to trusting in our own 
good works. We have been made righteous before God by grace through faith in Jesus and his finished work on the cross. It's not about our good works and trusting in our own sufficiency. Our hope for right standing with God is only possible through Jesus. It's a free gift from God. Our response then, our response to this incredible mercy is to want to seek only him. Prayer, fasting, giving and serving are extensions of this response. We do those things not to earn God's love or favour, but we do them because he first loved us. And ultimately, it's not really we who are working, but Christ who is living, working and expressing himself in and through us. When we see the world the way that God sees the world, our priorities change. Life becomes less about my rule and reign over my tiny kingdom and more about seeing myself as part of God's grand plan to bring his kingdom, to bring his rule and reign closer to those who have not yet experienced his love, grace and freedom through Jesus. In order for us to understand how to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we must know the king. And Jesus is the king and he is the kingdom personified. The entire Bible is designed and devoted to telling the great story of Jesus and how his people can seek and be satisfied by him. And reading the Bible is the first and foremost way that we can seek Jesus. In the Bible, we find facts, promises and truths about who God is. God is sovereign over creation. He feeds the birds. He dresses the flowers of the field and takes special care of his created world. Jesus knows that pointing us back to God's promises will change our perspective and grant us freedom. Where faith in the promises of God is trusted, freedom is found. So we should pray for faith. May we cling to the final truth of Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, that all we need will be added to us. So let us submit our worries and our anxieties to God. For the day has enough trouble as it is. Let us passionately pursue Jesus and seek after his reign and rule in our lives. And let us trust that he will give us everything we need to glorify the Father for his perfect plan and will. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. I want to thank you for this church. I want to thank you that we can gather here on a Sunday morning. We can gather online to encourage one another, to, to realign our lives to your rule and to your reign. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to the opportunities to make your kingdom known and help us too, Lord, to be aware of those things that knock us off kilter. Help us to keep you at the centre and may your love 
truth and grace continue to grow our faith and be evident to all those around us. We thank you for your word and the promise that you are always faithful. Help us to trust you when the worries of this world overwhelm us and help us to know that we do not need to be afraid. May we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Amen.